Grace to you and peace from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want us to think about a question this morning. Is how can I find out, how can I know if something is true? Probably the first response most of us have is, well, if I want to know if something's true, I'll just look it up on the internet. I'll just Google it. it. That reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. You can't trust everything you read on the internet. It's a quote from Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> or so the internet told me. Maybe it can't trust everything that you read on the internet. Maybe it, can't, it can give you answers, but the question is, are, are those the right answers? I experienced this just a couple days ago. I, I got an ad for a company that I hadn't heard of, and so I, I was just curious. I wonder, I wonder if this company is legitimate. What did I do? I typed it into the search engine, hit search, and the top two results were both news articles about this company. I thought, this is great. The first article uh, said, this company is a scam. I thought, oh, great. It'll probably have some experts that are quoted uh, saying it just picked three random people from Twitter as the experts, and it was their quotes about how they got scanned by this company. I said, all right, well, it's not super convincing. It doesn't seem like compelling journalism. So I went to the next article. And the next article is, this is the greatest company ever. And I said, oh, they probably have a lot of data or experts to support. They had three people from Twitter that they had just picked out of random that had no expertise. And that was, apparently that's how journalism is uh, nowadays. Either that or it was written by AI. And I couldn't really tell the difference, which maybe concerns me a little bit. about using the internet. I don't even know who this is written by, much less is this true. And for any, any question you ask, you can find information about both sides, any opinion. You can find people that will agree with your opinion. And if you search a little bit deeper, you can find a bunch of people that are going to disagree with whatever you say. See, and so for, for some simple things, yeah, the internet might be the place to go, but on a lot of bigger questions, Uh, you're not going to actually find the information that you're looking for. Well, the other way to to find out if something's true is what do the majority of people think? They're probably right. This is built in us young. Think about whatever toothpaste you use. Why do you use that toothpaste? Because four out of five dentists recommend whatever... Four out of five dentists. I mean, the majority must be right. What does that fifth dentist know that the other four don't, though? Right? Maybe we should think about what, what he has to say. Is the majority always right about things? We can think through our life and realize right, that the majority of people used to think smoking was, was just fine. And now we look by that and go... I, I don't think that that's exactly uh, a good idea. There's a number of things throughout history go, the majority was, was wrong on this. See, maybe it's not the internet or, or the majority. Well, I don't need to know what the majority thinks. I just need to know what, what one a trusted person believes. I had a friend in a high school, and this is how he got through high school civics class. See, he, he was a star athlete, star of the football team, 
the star of the basketball team. He was not the star in civics class. And so he developed a strategy. He said, I'm just going to agree with whatever the smartest person in the room says. So th- that kid's name was Jacob. And so, lo and behold, whenever Jacob would, would, uh, would express his opinion on whatever argument we were debating for that day, but he would raise his hand and go, that's exactly right. And that's how he got his participation points in civics class. And it got to the point where we would kind of watch, and whenever Jacob would raise his hand and say something, I would just look over, and sure enough, star athlete was right up after him every single time. And so one day, the teacher uh, shared what topic we were going to be debating on and called on the athlete first. And this guy had stared down 350-pound men trying to kill him on the football field. And it, he was like deer in headlights. Like, well, someone should probably help him out. And thankfully, one of our other classmates did. He said, Jacob, speak up. You've got to tell him what to believe. <laughs> and our teacher dismissed herself from the room because she was laughing so hard. And eventually, she regained her composure and came back in. Maybe not the best strategy uh, for making it uh, through class, but he's kind of on to something. In the midst of all these opinions, all these voices, what if I have one trusted source, one trusted person I can listen to? See, because the, the, the examples we've gone through so far, the stakes are pretty low. I mean, the stakes are pretty low when it comes to toothpaste or Abe Lincoln quotes or, or high school civics class. But in everyday life, some of the questions that we ask, the things that we want to know, is this true or is this not, there's a lot more at stake. Questions of who am I? Who is God? You can Google and get all sorts of answers to that question. He's like, am I valuable? Do I belong? What is Christmas all about? I mean, the majority of people have all sorts of ideas about what is Christmas all about, and very few of them have anything to do with a child born in a manger for you. What do I do with my worry, my guilt, my doubts? Those are are questions we're not going to get answers to, or at least not the right answers to in the world. And yet God knew all this. God knew that that if we go to the world, if we go with just what the majority says, if we simply trust the people around us, that we're not always going to find what's true. And that's why God himself speaks. God is a speaking God. He doesn't wait for you to try to guess what he's thinking, guess what he says about you, guess what he says about world. He doesn't hope that, that the world gets it right, and if you just follow the wave of the culture, that, then you'll be doing what he wants. No, our God speaks. And in the midst of all the voices in the world, all we have to do is listen to one. Because when we know what that one voice, that voice who spoke and said, let there be light, there was light. When we hear that voice, that voice of our good shepherd, when we follow him, 
None of the rest of it matters. We know what is true. See, that's what Paul invites us to do in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is really written, uh, it's almost kind of a doctrinal textbook. It goes through most of the key aspects of the Christian faith. And the reason Paul sets up the book of Romans, he he argues uh, for who he is uh, as an apostle. He argues uh, the the idea of, of Jews and Gentiles being brought into this same kingdom. Paul is speaking to a world where there's all these voices that are saying all these different things about who Jesus is, who God is, who we are. And throughout the entire book, Paul is trying to tune us in to the one voice that matters. This is what God says about who he is, about who who you are. This is what God says about the world. In our, our text for today, we get the last three verses of the longest epistle by far. And in this Romans doxology, we get a summary of not just the book of Romans, we get a summary of the Christian faith. So I invite you to to turn to it either in your bulletin or in the pew Bible in front of you. Romans 16, starting at verse 25, because Paul lays out, here's the voice you want to listen to. Here is what is true. Here's what he says, starting in verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now, we'll return back to uh, his first point about strengthening. But here, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul says my gospel here, not because he invented it, but he's setting himself up. He's setting up, this is the true word. This is the voice you're meant to listen to. Because there were all sorts of other teachers, all sorts of other uh, things. Christianity was not the majority opinion at the time. He said, instead of listening to those, listen to this gospel, to the preaching of Jesus Christ. That word gospel means good news. Preaching of the good news. And so what is that good news? Good news is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. A good news that was given to the shepherds. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. The Savior who was born. God Himself with us. The Word made flesh. Our God is a speaking God. Word makes flesh and he dwells among us, as John tells us in chapter 1. And that word, that Jesus, that God comes for you so that you would know who you are. He, he lives for you, he dies for you. He takes on all of your sins, all the times where you and I follow the voices of the world. We, we go with, with the majority when it's easier than following the Word of God. The times where we seek out truth in other places rather than finding the truth in Jesus. God takes all of that on Himself. On the cross, He pays the price. 
And he, three days later, he rises again for you. That's the good news of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's true. And so the next question Paul seeks to answer is not just what is true, but, but whose plan was this? He says, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known. Whose plan was this? This is God's plan from the very beginning. God is a speaking God. From the first promise that he gave in Genesis chapter 3, the offspring of Adam and Eve would crush the enemy's head. From the, the, the covenant that was given to David in our Old Testament reading from 2 Samuel, that from the line of David there would come this king who would reign on the throne forever. This king, born humbly in a manger, born for you. This was the plan that God himself would be with his people. God himself would rescue. God himself would save. It's not a new gospel. New, new Testament is not different from the Old Testament. It is the fulfillment of what God has been doing from the very beginning. The story of salvation. God alone has written. Simply put, we wouldn't make this up. If we would make this up, it would look a lot like, like a hero uh, that is born that conquered. It wouldn't look like someone born in a manger. The first witnesses would be people of importance, not shepherds. The witnesses to the resurrection uh, w- would be someone that is credible, not disciples, fishermen, other people that followed him. Now, we wouldn't make this story up because it's not our story. Our God has been writing this from the very beginning. So then the most important question is, well, who is this good news for? And that's where Paul gives us the answer in verse 26. Through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God. According to the command of God. This message, this good news of great joy, of forgiveness, of restoration, that you belong to God, that you are welcome in his house, you're welcome in his family through Jesus Christ. That is for all nations, and that means it's for you. That means it's for you. It's God is for you. That's the message of Christmas. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, your Savior. You see, God is a speaking God. He wants you to know what is true. That's why he comes to you. See, and the end result, if I know who God is, if I know that that his plan of salvation, and that that is all for me, to, to what end? That's where Paul finishes out his letter to bring about the obedience of faith that we would walk as children of God and we would gather together in his house receive his gifts be strengthened and encouraged that we would listen to his voice even when it's not convenient even when it's against the majority even when it doesn't seem to make sense 
That we would respond to the good news of the gospel. We would respond with obedience. The second result is verse 27. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Second is that we would give glory to God. We would give glory to God. We would have joy in what God has done for us in Jesus. The greatest gift we will ever receive. And we'll hear about that a lot as we celebrate this Christmas season. We'd respond with obedience. We would respond with thanks and praise for what our God has done for us. And the third thing takes us back to the beginning of the doxology. Now to Him who is able to strengthen you. That we would be strengthened. We would have courage. We would be encouraged in the midst of a world where listening to the truth, seeking out that voice of truth is, is difficult. See, there's all sorts of things, voices in the world that we can listen to. But when we know who our God is, when we know His plan of salvation, when we know that it is for us, that we would seek after that one voice. That's what Mary does in our gospel reading. As the angel Gabriel comes to her and gives her a very inconvenient message. You have to think there's all sorts of... What are the people around me going to say? What is Joseph going to think? What's going to happen? What about this? What about that? But instead of listening to all those other voices, Mary listens to the one voice that matters. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary responds with obedience. She says... May it be done to me according to your word. And right after our text, we hear her her song of response, the Magnificat, the the response of joy. We see God give her the strength to be able to take the journey, not just to Bethlehem, the journey of faith throughout her whole life. See, that's what we're called to in in the midst of a world where there's all sorts of things we can believe about who we are, who the world is, what's right, what's wrong, where do I fit. We would listen to the one voice that matters. The voice that called you by name in the waters of baptism and says, you are mine. You belong to God. You are forgiven of your sins. You are his child. You are loved. That's what's true. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he calls you home. Amen.